Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Rusty Quill presents. This happened in early October just a few weeks ago in a small coastal town. A boy, age 10, went missing from his home. It's the middle of the night. His bed is empty. The front door was left open. Here's his mother, Marguerite Croft. I, I don't know. I don't know what happened so that I woke up in the night and knew he was gone. But it's, I, I just knew that something was wrong. And I went, I went to the kids' room and Fox wasn't there. You know, we, we frantically look everywhere and, and like the, the adrenaline's pumping and it's, it's, he's nowhere. And, um, and it's, oh, like there's, there's, and there's nothing like that fear when they're gone. The sheriff took it very seriously and sent a car, but then said something odd when the parents gave their address. The dispatcher asked, do you live up by the woods near Wildwood Road? The parents said yes. The dispatcher said, go to the trailhead. It's at the end of that street. There's an old boat park there. And if he's there, just inside the woods, call us back and we'll cancel the call. And they asked how the sheriff knew that their son might be in these woods. Then it hits me because I used to spend the summers here when I was a kid. And I remember, I remembered for the first time in so long what's in those woods. So we go toward the trailhead. Um, and, and just inside the woods, there he is. You know, and he's wearing his pajama pants, and, um, and he's missing his T-shirt. He's got one sock on. It's like his, it's his red Iron Man sock. He's shivering, and he's building something. He's building something huge. I'm Christopher Reynaga, and this is Point Mystic. Each episode, we speak about the stories behind the myths and legends, the unexplained, the magical. Today, I'm going to tell you about an innocent-sounding dream and the things built by the children of a small town. My town, the one that I've recently moved to. A disclosure for today's show. The boy in question is my son. And for reasons of privacy, I won't reveal the name of the town. We're walking to the thing that Fox was building. You can see glimpses of the shore from the woods, but it doesn't take long to feel dwarfed by the trees as they close around you. Oh my god. Oh my. Look at it. That's amazing. Wow. Can I build this? Uh, yeah. This impossibly twisted trapezoid of branches is what our son was building in the darkness of the woods. It's only partially complete on one side. It's so big. Yeah. 
big as the biggest one. How do you... How did you lift these things? I really don't know. Well, what do you think? What does it look like to you? Kind of like a wall. Or a cage? Maybe. Maybe both. A cage with a wall. And you don't remember any of this? No, I don't. When I was a kid growing up, my friends and I built forts out of plywood overlooking the creek near my house. This is something else entirely. You see, there are close to a hundred of these structures, climbing the hill as far as we can see. Whoa, look at that one. They're all made of branches, tightly interlaced, without anything to hold them together. Some of these structures are so old that they're like skeletons of wood, melting back into the earth. None look anything like a fort. Most look like modern art or ancient totems. I think one of the creepiest ones was this weird wooden stick with three trees around it and two sticks leading from one tree to the other trees and then just this open space. Kind of like a circle? Morally like a triangle without a bottom. What other kind of weird shapes are out there? There's this one that's like a, I guess sort of a square by a tree and this tree has weird blue writing on it, you can't read it, and it's... And that's the one that you can't get inside, there's no windows, there's no doors. Square one? Yeah, square one. It's really more star-shaped, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. There's all these weird, just so many weird shapes. If strange wooden shapes in the woods seem familiar, that's because of a famous true story of an artist named Lee Brown Coy whose obsession with hundreds of eerie, unexplained stick structures he found in 1938, deep in the woods of Pitcher, New York, became the focus of his famous artwork. If you've seen The Blair Witch Project, or the latest seasons of American Horror Story and True Detective, that true-life mystery is where much of the modern cinematic inspiration comes from. But there's nothing really mysterious about how the structures in these woods got here. You see, the kids in this town have been building them for years. One of the largest murals depicted on the walls of our local cafe, Calliope's, is based on real Victorian-era photographs of children sitting on one of the early wildwood structures that no longer exists. It's shaped like a headless animal, crouched and ready to spring. And you would have no idea how massive it was if not for the row of girls in long dresses astride its back, posing for the camera. One girl, the closest to the viewer, sits astride the empty neck, her long black hair dangling over her face as she weaves the sticks. It's one of these kinds of structures that Fox had been building when we found him. The thing is, he couldn't remember building it. He could only remember waking up from the dream. When I woke up, I was in the woods, sitting against a tree, and there were these structures that weren't there before. And you, you woke up and it was just there? Just there. I didn't know how I got there, it just was there. So what was the dream like? What? Oh, the dream. It was strange. I just fell asleep and, well, there was going through blackness, and then this weird structureish thing popped out. The voice rang out. You shall build this. Then it 
the end, it, there was a giant rabbit. And then it just grew larger and larger and larger than I woke up. A, a rabbit? Yeah, giant rabbit. Red, blood red eyes. And dragon wings. <laughs> and dragon wings? Yep. And tentacles. And very sharp teeth. But otherwise it looks like a rabbit. A white rabbit, to be exact. Like the kind that magicians pull out of their hats. But the thing Fox told me is that he wasn't the only one dreaming of the wooden structures. A lot of the kids in town have the dreams. His best friend Benny had been dreaming and building them too. Benny showed his structure to me. If Fox's looks like a cage, his best friend's structure looks like a lopsided cone. He calls it the teepee. I asked Benny if he had a white rabbit in his dream. He said no. But he said that there was something else. Have you ever seen Alice in Wonderland? Yes, yes I have. The newer one? There's that giant white spotted thing. It doesn't have an eye, but then that gets its eye back. Yeah, because of the mouse. Yeah. For listeners that haven't read Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland, this creature isn't the white rabbit that Alice follows down the rabbit hole. This is Carroll's monster, the Bandersnatch. Whatever this white creature actually was, and the dreams about his wooden structure, it chased him. I ran and I ran and ran, but I just didn't seem to be going anywhere. I looked down and I was falling. And then I found it in here. And I was in a teepee and I woke up in the teepee and it turned out I wasn't actually in my bed. There was one person I could talk to to help make sense of this. My wife, Marguerite. She spent summers here growing up and built these structures, too, as a child. So, you know, that's, uh, that was how I first realized that I belonged here, that I, was, that I had been accepted. Is that point where I was with the other kids up in the woods building the structures. Like, it was the most amazing thing. As a kid, I always felt like I was really out of control and couldn't do a lot. But when we built those things, it was like I was so powerful and so capable because I could do this thing. I could make this thing that was bigger than me, like it was bigger than all of us. And when I look at them now, like they're so creepy. But as a kid, it was the most magical thing. It was like we were building the fairy tale. The structures you built as a, as a kid, do you remember what they looked like, any of their shapes, anything like that? Yeah, I could draw you pictures. Like some of them are so implanted in my memory, I could draw them for you. I mean, I think it would be unlikely, but some of them might still be there. I remember one um, was like a beehive. And I don't think that's how I would have described it to you at the time. You know, it had a large a large base that, and, 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 and all these levels that just um, got smaller and smaller and smaller till it had a dome top. And you could go inside and crawl through 
like the, the levels of the hexagons inside of the beehive. And I used to go and crawl up in there and read and draw pictures. And, and some of my friends, like my really special friends, could come inside. I felt really protective and, and serious ownership of this thing. Not just anybody could go in. The structures built by the children are a mystery, but it turns out that they're part of an even larger one. What Marguerite remembers even more than building the structures is a legend that she and her friends believed that the structures were related to. A legend that anyone in this town can tell you about. The legends about the doors. Some people think that we are literally the town of doors, that we're like obsessed with our, um, with our door art. You've noticed everybody paints their doors like really um, bright colors with like interesting murals on them, the knockers and the doorknobs and everything. But after I'd come back for several summers, I realized we were really talking about something else. We were talking about doors, which aren't really doors. They're like these entryways into other places. And I remember stories of the doors and, and dreaming of doors and like the concept that there were these doors to all these other worlds and it's like... It's the portal fantasies that we're told when we're kids, right? It's Narnia, and it's Alice in Wonderland. But then it was real. And I'm having a really difficult time reconciling these pieces of my childhood with being an adult and, like, what's real anymore. And it's really scary. The structures, the doors, the... Like, the, the, the magic... Did you believe that? I did when I was a kid. Do you believe it now? No. Yes. Maybe. I, I don't know. Marguerite doesn't remember dreaming about a white rabbit when she was a child. But there is, in fact, a legend. One of the town's door legends about a rabbit back in 1880, when this town was an unnamed logging camp on the coast. Some say this event inspired Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland, but this is certainly untrue. Alice in Wonderland was published in 1865, and Carroll never visited America. But there was a girl in this legend. Not an Alice, but an Anastasia. It's said that the structures in the woods were here before people arrived. This is also probably untrue. But the story goes, as the area was clear-cut, it was Anastasia and the other children of the workers that began to build their own structures in the fashion of what they found. One day, in the fall of 1880, the children began building a massive one. The structure they made is not described, but what is described are the stories the children told their parents of a white rabbit. Most accounts don't give the white rabbit a name, but it's said that in her diary, Anastasia called it the Schwankmeier. The adults grew superstitious about the structures, and in time, people came to believe that the children were summoning this white creature. 
Anastasia denied this and said that she was fighting it. Her father, a lumberjack named Lucas Alenki, locked her up to prevent her from going into the woods, but one night she escaped. In some versions of the story, it's only her, and in others, it's several girls from the town that go into these woods to stop the white rabbit. It's said that she or they went through a door that looked like a rabbit hole. On this last part, all of the stories agree. She or the girls never returned. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I explore and talk about these kinds of mysteries on the radio every day. I've been face-to-face with the supernatural so often, it's just become natural. And yet I'm having a hard time believing this. But maybe that's because this isn't just some mystery. This is my son and my town. So I took a walk from the point out by the lighthouse, up under the rows of Victorian homes and artist studios along Wildwood Road. And I brought my dog, Agatha. Since I'm new here, she can be a bit of an icebreaker. Oh, who's a good girl? <laughs> belly rub. Yeah. Oh, belly rub. You, you guys live here right next to the woods? Yeah. yeah. Oh, fantastic. you got a beautiful house. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. It wasn't always like that. <laughs> <laughs> There's all those weird structures in the woods, yeah. too. Yeah. Is it's it- a- you know who does that? Who does that? It's a little, I guess it's like 10 kids. They're probably oh, yeah, I think elementary. I've seen them once or twice before. And that's what they do. They make those forts. And Are they like um, oh, wow. Boy Scouts or something? No, there's girls in there too. I as long as they don't start any fires or anything, <laughs> they can build all they want. That's cute. Actually, this guy comes up in a van that lives on Feudum near that is cutting all the branches off. Oh, interesting. And then he leaves them on the ground. and then. Oh, yeah. Them. Oh, really? He's yeah. cutting all the branches? Yeah. So Why is he doing that? Don't ask me. I guess he's bored or something. So he just cuts branches off trees? Yeah, and he leaves them on the ground. And so the kids actually pick them up and build forts and stuff out of them. So that's kind of well, cool. Well, actually, yeah. yeah. It's kind of funny, though. None of these neighbors could tell me the name of the guy cutting down the branches. And none of them had children that would have gone into the woods to build. So it's not surprising that none of them told me about the Black Gate. It's Fox that told me about the gate in an offhand way, almost like it wasn't the one place that would become the focal point 
of this mystery. One time when I woke up and I was going back home, I saw this weird gate-ish thing. Kind of creepy. A gate? Gate-ish thing? It was like a tunnel made out of sticks covered in green stuff and leaves on it. And it looked like a gate to you? Kind of looked like a gate. A gate for people? I don't know. Just looks like a door. Don't know how it got there. It's just there. Is the gate really big? Bigger than a person? It, it, it could fit, I guess, about five people through it. Five short people. It's it, not tall, it's wide. Can you show it to me? This gate he's leading us to is on the summit of the hill, and as we get there, I notice it's ringed by the other structures, like an actor on stage, surrounded by an audience. There are three other things I notice. First, the trees on the hilltop are giant, and they arch overhead like a windowless cathedral. Second, it's very quiet. I'm not the only one who notices. This place is just creepy. What's so creepy about it? Everything, the structures, the weirdness, the darkness. It's bright sunny day out there. And boom, it's dark in. It's dark in here. And what's knocking you? The third thing is that there's only one structure here. And unlike the ones that Fox and the other kids put together, this one is not made of new sticks, but old tree trunks and massive limbs, almost black with age. The gate is a giant black arch, taller than any other structure. But the tunnel through it, if you can call it that, is a low curve that tightens like the throat of an animal den, dangling with roots and ivy. I can see through it to the trees on the other side. I have no desire to explore it. It's surrounded by a ring of black posts, buried in the ground. Fox pointed to one of these posts that surrounded the gate. I think the creepiest thing is that. What's what some built like that? What does it look like to you? Uh, kind of like summoning posts. That's what I'm looking for. Summoning posts? Hey, you gotta somehow summon something. Like this where they would do the weird ritual dance, burn the essences, and then like lightning would strike it, and then... Like, somewhere over there, that door would open, and then suddenly Cthulhu would be, like, squirming out. For all we know, Cthulhu could be a giant white bunny rabbit, and what would build this? A giant white bunny rabbit? Yeah, that could be Cthulhu. For all we know. Now, I don't believe for a moment that this is Cthulhu, but I will tell you that this spot feels different than the rest of the woods. If there was ever going to be a fairy ring, were a gate to the underworld in these woods. This was the place. So one of the things that everybody tells me is that the town of is known for doors. Like there's legends. Like there's there's doors here that go to all kinds of places, different times, different uh, different worlds. There's big old legends. Lots of legends, lots of weird things that seem to happen, so yeah. Is this one of those doors? It feels 
like, this door is actually bigger than the others. A lot of the others are legends. Some of them are truth. This one seems to be one of the biggest truths. This door is this door is true. Yeah, it won't lead you anywhere that's not real. It'll lead you somewhere wrong. It's just not right. Could some of these doors be good? Probably some of them are like fairy tales. Good things happen. But some of them, they're nightmares. Have you ever sensed any other doors besides this one? Like in different parts of the town or, or anywhere else? Some places you can tell that there is a door. You, And it's frustrating to be there because you can't reach it. But you know it's there. You want to go to it. But you can't. There's a lot of places that are like that. In or everywhere in the world? Mostly No other place has as many doors in the area as You, you are... Uh, I'm sorry to say this, but you are a kid. Yeah, I mean, you were my son, but you are a kid. How do you know that? Like, every kid in has talked about it and known about it. We just tell each other to not tell people we don't really trust. Do you trust me? Yeah, I trust you a lot. It was time to learn more. So I went back up to the Black Gate and set up some of the sound-activated stereo recorders that we use in our investigations. And then I went down the hill, taking recordings and photos of some of the structures. You can see pictures in our show notes. Hey, Foxy, okay? I'll talk about what I found in those sound-activated recordings in a bit, but first, I want you to listen to an interview I made of Fox that day after he led us to his structure. I'm trying to see this with an open mind, but really, I'm asking myself, history or not, is the legend of the White Rabbit real? So have you ever seen a White Rabbit? No, none in the woods. Kind of creepy, but I have seen big dents in the ground, and kind of a place where the trees they're just all falling down and like. So, so not not in the woods, but like in real life, have you seen one of those white bunnies with the red red eyes? Only video games. In video games, you you play any video games that have white rabbits in them? With red eyes? Yes, Minecraft. There's there's bunnies with red eyes in Minecraft. Yes. <laughs> yes, there is. You wanna see a picture one? Sure. Wait, they're actually Yeah, you've never seen a you've never yeah, they're the real thing. With red eyes? Yeah. That's um a little spooky horrific. I'm gonna Google it. White. Rabbit red eyes. Rabbit. Red eyes, see? It's even it comes up automatically as a search. These are pictures of white bunny rabbits with blood red eyes. So look at that right there. What is that? What does it make you feel like? You're putting your hand over the bunny. Is it too creepy? Look at that one. That one's really cute. How can you even say that that was gonna like take over the universe? You never know. You never know. You never know when the bunny will turn bad. 
Have you ever heard of the legend of Cthulhu? Yes, yes, I have. Where? Many places, books, movies, video games. Is it possible that the idea of Cthulhu and the rabbit is something that you read in a book or you played in a video game, and that's that's where this dream came from? I don't think so. Why not? It seemed I never actually played a game with a evil, red-eyed, monstrous dungeon rabbit or anything. Now this story might have ended here. Questions of a weird but innocuous dream about a red-eyed bunny rabbit. A tradition of children building strange structures in the woods. But when we walked back the next morning to pick up the recorders I left at the Black Gate and take one more look at Fox's structure, what we found is where this story truly goes down the rabbit hole. What the... Okay, it's alright. Where Fox's structure had been, there was now nothing but a pile of shattered branches and a hole as wide as a pond filled with torn up dirt, like something huge had burrowed up through the earth. Next time on Point Mystic, in part two of the season premiere, White Rabbit. Civilization ends, but does you know how it ends? The apocalypse. The life will take over death, and death will take over life. Death will take over the living, and the living will turn to death. Basically, it's saying the dead will come back to life. And destroy the other stuff that were alive. A tennis ball. The apocalypse and a tennis ball. Answers to this in other mysteries in the second half. Stay with us. The story for this episode was created by Fox, age 11, with help from his mother, Marguerite Croft, and I. Our featured song, Way Down in the Hole, is sung and instrumented by the amazing Rory Power. If you love the show and want to hear the end of this episode, subscribe to Point Mystic, then write a review and let us know. If there's only one thing you can do, it's this. Share the mystic. This episode of Point Mystic is distributed as a shared world's creative commons, attribution, non-commercial, share-alike 4.0 international. Which means don't sell it but do share it with your friends, remix it, and go make great art together. And as always, thank you for listening.